All right, if you want to go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 12, we're going to talk about our thinking today. Our stinking thinking. Amen. So we all got a brain, we all have a mind, and uh, it's a pretty complicated thing. Scientists study it and don't know really a whole lot about the human brain, the human mind. But uh, our mind is a tremendous gift to us from God. Amen. But just because it is, just because we have it doesn't necessarily mean that it's blessing our lives. Amen. Just because we have a mind doesn't mean it's aiding us and helping us in moving forward in the things of God. So if you're in Romans 12, uh, in verse 2, we're called to do something with our mind. A very specific something. So in Romans 12, in verse 2, it says, Do not be conformed to this age or to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. So there's a lot in that scripture just by itself there. That you need to be transformed, and to be transformed, you have to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And your call, whether you fulfill your call for your life, is wrapped up in whether or not you're able to renew your mind. So if you want to hear in heaven, well done, my good and faithful servant, renewing your mind is part of that. That's a big part of it. Amen. So I'm just going to go through and uh, I'm going to talk about how we think and how God thinks and how we need to, well, not meet in the middle. We need to come all the way over where God's thinking. Amen. No meeting in the middle there. Uh, if you want to turn to, uh, we'll get to here later. I'm just going to have you turn there. First Corinthians. Actually, no. Turn to Psalm uh, 1830. Psalm 1830. So let's think about how we think as humans, all right? We like to think rationally. We like to think about things in a way that makes sense to us, something we can see, something we can figure out. And uh, I'm probably, I, I know I'm a planner. I, I'm a big-time planner. If you ask Sarah or even Pastor, when they give me something, I'm thinking, you know, I'm like rolling it around in my mind, thinking about it. I'm like, okay, if I have a project to do, all right, who could I call to ask about how to do this? What kind of tools do I need? What kind of time frame are we looking at here? How's this going to fit into the rest of my work week? How's this going to fit into other things i got to get done? And it's just a constant thing, just me thinking about and going over and just rolling these things over in my mind. And I know not everybody's like that, but I feel like to a degree we are. Amen? Amen. We like to figure it out. We like to think about it. And uh, in Proverbs, I just have a couple scriptures here. In Proverbs 6, uh, in verse 19... It says, a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. So the man tries to plan it out, but the meantime, the whole time, God's saying, all right, here, step right here. I know you are thinking about this out here, but just take this step right here for now, and we'll, we'll get to where I want you to be. In Psalm 20, in verse 4, it says, God, may he grant you according to your heart's desire and fulfill all your purpose, or it says, all your plans. So it's not saying it's bad to plan. You can plan. You can have plans. You can have dreams. Amen. Uh, but when it comes to how we think about things, there's a higher way of thinking Amen. than just what we can see, what we can reason, what we can figure out in our limited understanding. Amen. So that's kind of how the human mind thinks. Uh, always thinking, always wondering, sometimes worrying, Think about every possible situation that could happen or that would happen or whatever. So let's look at how God thinks. 
Amen. And just some things that I thought about when I think about how God thinks that are different than how we think, which is safe and planned. And, and of course, God plans things. I'll get to that later. But when God thinks, he thinks in a way that's bold to us. He's daring. He's adventurous. He's got an exciting way of doing things. Okay? And let's, we'll actually go to 1 Samuel. I told you to go first uh, to Psalms, but go to 1 Samuel in chapter 17. We're going to look at David. Talk about somebody bold and adventurous. Amen. 1 Samuel in chapter 17. Amen. Say amen when you get there. So we're going to kind of skip around a little bit, but uh, amen, this will be good. So, okay, so we're setting the, the scene here. Uh, the Philistines are gathered uh, on the other side of this valley, and the Israelites are on another side of the valley. And uh, they're basically meeting to have a battle. So it says in verse 2, Saul and the men of Israel gathered and camped in the valley of Elah. Then they lined up in battle formation to face the Philistines. The Philistines were standing on one hill, and the Israelites were standing on another hill with a ravine between them. Then a champion named Goliath from Gath came out from the Philistine camp. He was nine feet, nine inches tall. If you need some reference, I think that black is about 20 feet, so he's half of that, if that gives you some kind of reference to how gigantic this guy is. He's nine feet, nine inches tall, and wore a bronze helmet and bronze scale armor that weighed 125 pounds. There was bronze armor on his shins, and a bronze sword was slung between his shoulders. His spear shaft was like a weaver's beam, and the iron point of his spear weighed 15 pounds. In addition, a shield bearer was walking in front of him. So I'm going to skip ahead uh, to verse 11 here. Uh, when Saul and all Israel heard these words from this Philistine, he came out and he challenged them and said, Who is willing to face me? We'll have a single combat, one of yours against me. And he said that, and all of the uh, Israelites uh, lost their courage and they were terrified. Now David was kind of different. He wasn't a soldier that was always there at the front lines in the battle. He was going back and forth to tend to his flock. And he attended to that flock for most of his life, as far as I, can, as far as I know. And uh, so if you scroll down to uh, verse 20, David's coming back into the uh, encampment. He's checking on his brothers. It says, So David got up early in the morning, left the flock with someone to keep it, loaded up, and set out as Jesse had instructed him. So he gets to the camp, he's talking to the men. In verse 23 it says, While he was speaking with them, suddenly the champion named Goliath, the Philistine from Gath, came forward from the Philistine battle line and shouted his usual words. But this time was different. It says, which David heard. So the words were the same, but it was a different kind of person hearing those words. Amen. So it said, David, in verse 26, David spoke to the men who were standing with him. What will be done for the man who kills that Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Just who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? So it, it, we all know the story that David goes out against Goliath, confident, bold, assertive, and not with necessarily the same kind of weapons that Goliath has. He doesn't have any kind of military experience. No skills, but uh, he prevails because he just thinks differently. Amen. And uh, later on in verse uh, 37, it, you kind of see why he has this mentality because he's been with his sheep. It said, Then David said, The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. So when he was out in the wilderness, 
He was fighting lions and bears and killing them. And so he sees a, a nine-foot-tall man, and he thinks, okay, well, that's just the next step on the, on the rung. That's just the next step on the on stair steps. But uh, there was just something different about David and how he thought. And I have a, this is my thinking behind it, was that when David was out with his flock, I think he was alone a lot of the time. He didn't have a lot of human contact. It was him and some sheep, and he had his Bible. He had the law. And he would just read that over and over. If you, if you read Psalms and, talk, and you see the regard that David had for the Word. And I believe that in this circumstance, that David was in the Word so much that he was constantly feeding on the Word, seeing God's deliverance in the Word, and not having anything in his mind to challenge it. He was completely solely focused and devoted on that. And there was nothing that was clouding, causing any doubt. And then he came into the camp and heard the Philistine. And he starts talking about going out and fighting him. And everybody's thinking, this guy, this guy's crazy. What's, what's wrong with him? Eliab or Abinabab or whatever his brother's were, get your brother. He's going to get out there and get killed. He's going to get his head chopped off. Goliath isn't even going to feel any resistance as he just chops his head right off, is what everybody was thinking. But David just saw it different. He'd been so into the Word that when he got there and he looked around, he thought everybody else was crazy. Why aren't you stepping up and taking advantage of this covenant that we have? That this one's standing against. You know, what God did for our people for, under the leadership of Moses to get them into the Promised Land, you know, through Joshua and through the Red Sea and defeating all the armies of our enemies. It's like he did all that not so we could get here and be afraid. So we could cower down. I think of it like this. Whenever my dad was in the military, he would be gone sometimes for, I think, nine months on deployments. And they would be in Iraq or Afghanistan, and it's a war zone. So when you get over there, the way you think and the way you operate is completely different than when you're over here. And so if you're over there for nine months, you get into a certain rhythm. You start recognizing things that maybe you wouldn't recognize here at home. You start getting used to doing things in a way that you wouldn't be used to doing here at home. So dad would come home, we'd pick him up at the airport, and uh, he would get in the truck and and drive, you know, as we're leaving the airport. And uh, just that first couple of weeks, he would say it took him a little while to get used to stopping at stop signs. <laughs> you know, he would, he would be thinking about it, and he would do good, but sometimes it would be like you'd have that tendency, you just want to mm, just roll on through, because over in Iraq and Afghanistan, it's like you're in the big truck, you're in the big MRAP truck, you rule the road, and everybody's just going to have to get out of your way. And you know, he, he would talk about how we'd drive down the road, and you might see driving down the road a pothole in the road and think nothing of it. Just try to straddle it. But over there, if they see that, a pothole, or they see something along the side of the road that's been disturbed, dirt, that could be some kind of improvised explosive. And they have to stop. I mean, even simple stuff like trash. You see trash in the road. I remember Dad saying something like, yeah, over in, over in Iraq or whatever, that, that right there, you know, you'd want to watch that. Or you'd want to call in somebody to check that out. Just a plastic bag in the road. We don't think anything about it. Amen. But the thinking was just so radically different from there to here. And I think that's, what, that's how David was able to do what he did. Is he was completely immersed in the thinking and in God's mind about how he saw things. 
And he didn't have anybody to challenge him on it. And then when he came into town, before he could even think about it, he was already ready to throw down. Yeah. Amen? Amen. Amen. Does that make sense? Yeah. I don't like to throw this around, but you kind of got to be brainwashed. You kind of got to brainwash yourself on the Word. Not to be weird, not to be kooky, but, I mean, you got to either believe the promises, believe God's there, He's going to do it for you, or not. And there's no middle ground. Amen? I mean, you look at Jesus. He did a lot of stuff that some people might consider crazy. Sending Peter to go get the fish, to get tax money. How are you going to get tax money of a fish? I don't know. He did it. <laughs> Raising Lazarus from the dead. He'd been dead for a couple days. He walks in there. There's a, ga- a crowd gathered around. He wasn't scared of being embarrassed. It didn't even cross his mind of walking out of there in defeat. It wasn't even something he was considering. Raising the little girl from the dead, uh, just confronting the madman of Gadara. I mean, that guy's ripping chains apart, and you're going to walk up to him. But he did it, and he came out on top. Amen? And it's a similar concept. If you look at Jesus in, in the Gospels, it, there's so many times it says he went up to the mountain to pray. He would go to pray alone. He'd go and spend time in the Word, spend time in prayer, and just get so saturated in the Word and in God's promises, and in who God was, and just magnify Him to a degree where when He came back, it would take a, it, it would take a lot to convince Him otherwise. And, well, it didn't. <laughs> he didn't run into that, where it would convince Him otherwise. Amen? So, God's ways of doing things are bold, they're adventurous, they're exciting, but really when you think about it, God's ways of doing things that seem to us to be adventurous and risky and scary are actually the way that we think ourselves. They're the safe ways. They're the planned out ways. They're the sure ways. Amen? Like I was saying, you think God doesn't plan things? He's planned it all. He's planned everything, every step you're going to take, every step anyone in your life connected to you. He's got a plan for that. Now, whether we follow it or not, that's on us. But He's got a plan for it to prosper us. Amen. Amen. So we have both. we got the planning. We have the mind of God behind us. And then we also get to experience a little bit of adventure, a little bit of excitement. Amen. Amen. But you just have to settle in you that that is what that is, that it is a sure and set way of doing things and having victory. Amen. Amen. If you want to turn to Psalm 18 in verse 30, Psalm 1830. We just got to get convinced. We just got to get convinced who God is, how He operates, what He thinks, how He thinks. You look at the life of Jesus and He lived a different life than any other person. He didn't He didn't do the same things other people did. He didn't go and just waste time with, you know, frivolous things. He lived dedicated. He lived consecrated. He lived with a mission. Amen. Amen. And uh, Psalm 1830, this just encouraged me. Uh, It says, as for God, His way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried or proven. He is a buckler, which is a shield, to all those that trust in Him. Amen. Now it requires trust. 
But trust, in, trust is believing that he's going to do it. Amen. Amen. So we're going to look at just some ways to think like God. Amen. How to get your mind over to where you see things like God sees it, or at least more like God sees it. Amen. We're all at different levels, uh, but we can all be better. Amen. I, I personally think that, that God, he's happy with where we're at, with how we're doing, but he's not satisfied with where we're at or how we're doing. Amen. He's always wanting to be pushing more. That's why when you uh, find yourself increasing in finances or it's just any area of your life, he starts saying, okay, well, give, give some more of this. Yeah. I, want, I want to start seeing you put more of this yeah. that I've given you yeah. into what I want you to put it into. Yeah. Right. Amen? Yeah. That's just how he does. He's always increasing. He's never just static. He's always yeah. wanting it to be going up and up and up. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. So the number one thing when it comes to thinking like God is you have to know how he thinks in order to think like him. It's pretty straightforward. Uh, he has made it extremely simple for us by writing everything down in the wonderful Word. Amen? Amen. Right here for us. We can look at it, see what he thinks about honor, what he thinks about health, what he thinks about money, Amen. Uh, just anything. Right. Amen. Amen? And it's our job. We're not waiting on him to come and impart to us his mind and his way of doing things. We're to take on the part of the seeker. I, just, I look at it like an apprentice, someone that's trying to learn a skill. The apprentice, he doesn't come in there and kick back and the master comes to him and tells him what to do. No, you're doing the menial work as the apprentice. You're sweeping up in the corner. You're doing the stuff the master doesn't have time for. And you're happy to do it. Because you're learning something. You're getting something for it. The apprentice, they're the ones that make the concessions. They're the ones that take the time. They're the ones that ask questions, that seek. Amen. The master's not the one that's putting in all that effort. It's like, I'm here, and I love you. This is God. I'm here, and I love you, but you need to come to me. Because he's not going to force himself on you. He'll never do that. So you have to make a decision to come to him. So that's, that's our side. We have to make an effort to get to know him first. Amen. 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 And number two is we have to make, emphasis on make, make his thoughts become our thoughts. You can't just settle for knowing how he thinks, but you need to make what he thinks what you think. That's right. Like I said, how about money, about uh, even things like worry, things that you might not think are a sin or harmful uh, worry. What do, what do he thinks about other people? What do he thinks about you? What he says about you? His heart toward you. And you need to take all of that and make it yours. Just carbon copy it. Print it right on your mind. Amen. Uh, I have a very simple general rule. It may ruffle feathers. But uh, it's very simple. When you're reading the Word uh, and you see something that goes against how you think, you can, you can think about it and, you know, roll it around in your mind. But I'll just ask you, just err on the side that you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> just at least be open to the possibility Amen. that on this side, okay, I will just be or, you know, inclined toward this side that I'm wrong unless I find something, you know, against that. And I'll go a step further and say when you hear pastor in the pulpit, 
minister something by the word and it lines up with the word and you don't like it. Air on the side. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm not thinking right about this. It's the same thing like I was talking about tithing. If I didn't have someone telling me how you're thinking about that's wrong, I may have never made the change. You know? And uh, a pastor is a tremendous blessing. I don't think you understand fully. I don't think any of us do. Just the blessing of having a person physically here that their call on their life is to feed and tend to a flock of people. Amen. To you and to help you. And I know that when pastor says things from the pulpit, it just has more of a punch than when I'm necessarily, you know, reading it on my own or thinking in my own mind about how certain things are or whether, you know, what's right or wrong. It just has an extra punch when it's coming from a man in the pulpit under the anointing. Just telling you how it is. Amen. And that's not to say you just blindly swallow anything. Just make that, make that clear. But uh, just be willing to be wrong. Uh, that just bless you tremendously. If you will just be willing to be wrong. And be willing to think about things in another way. Be willing to accept when someone says, this is how it is. And at least look into it. At least try to think about it. Amen? But uh, there's two types of disagreement that uh, I just wanted to go over here. Uh, there's, the number one is ignorance. If you disagree with something, and that's just you don't know. You're doing your own thing. You're over here. you always done it this way. Uh, whatever. That's, that's your way of doing things. And you don't know any better. God understands that. You know, you've not been told. He's not going to hold you accountable to something you don't know. But then there's also the second part of that is willful disagreement. When you hear something, inside of you, you know it's right. And you willfully disagree with that. You willfully rebel against that. Amen. And that's unacceptable. And I'm talking to me just the same as anybody else. That's completely, when it comes to God, that's completely unacceptable. For us to willfully disagree and rebel against his word. Amen. And again, that was, that was the tithing thing. And when you get it set right... It's just so much easier. Yeah. It's just so much better when you get it right. And I've seen out in the world uh, with my generation, the millennials, we catch a lot of flack. But uh, I've just seen naturally out in the world, and we talk about a last day revival that's coming. And I can just see it naturally forming, honestly. Because you look out and you see that for the past 40, 50 years, it's kind of been, you know, throw off conventional ways of living, throw off tradition. The Bible doesn't, it's not relevant to today. I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to sleep with who I want. I'm going to do all the drugs I want. I'm going to say I'm whatever gender I want. I'm going to do all these crazy things, throw off the family, forsake church. And you look out there and people are absolutely miserable. As a direct result of throwing off the biblical way of of doing things. And I just see naturally people talking about... uh, Wanting to go back to tradition. Wanting to go back to a man and a woman being the only thing considered a marriage. Amen. Focusing on family. Focusing on church. Focusing on God. Amen. And you you just want to think to yourself, "Uh, yeah, maybe that's why I was there in the first place. (laughs) Yeah, the system works, guys. 
just follow the system. It works. And there's genuine fulfillment, and you're not miserable out there trying to eke and claw your way to some kind of meaning. Amen? It's just easier. Just follow the, follow the tradition. Follow the formula. Amen? If you want to go to 1 Corinthians 2, we're going to start in verse 14. Let me get there. Amen. We want to be like God. We want to think like God. A mind that thinks like God is a tremendous asset in this life. Amen. I mean, there's not much to come against. I mean, I don't think there's anything that can come against somebody that's fully seated and knows who they are in Christ, what God thinks about them, what God's done for them, what they walk in. Nothing can come against them. Nothing can defeat that person. Amen. But yeah, again, going back to reasoning, no matter what you can reason, no matter what you think about, oh, well, I haven't, I, there's an exception for me. That doesn't apply to me. Just throw all that off and just decide to think like God thinks. Amen. And there's always, let me, let me just promise you, there's always going to be some kind of resistance to thinking like God thinks. Whether that's taking a step of faith, whether that's cutting out friends that aren't good for you, aren't good for you spiritually. Uh, there's always going to be some kind of resistance. And it may even be, like I said before, it may even be a God-inspired uh, resistance. Like he's like, oh, like Dr. Jacobs said, he's taken his bank accounts down to completely zero, I think two or three times, at God's leading. Now that's some resistance. Yeah. If you take your bank account all the way down to zero and to give it. So there's going to be resistance. So I'm not promising it's going to be just all light and fluffy and, and easy all the time. But that's the way to live if you want real fulfillment, if you want to be truly blessed. Amen. 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 So in, uh, in 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 14, it says here, But the unbeliever does not welcome what comes from God's Spirit, because it is foolishness to him. He is not able to understand it since it is evaluated spiritually. The spiritual person, however, can evaluate everything. Yet he himself cannot be evaluated by anyone. For who has known the Lord's mind that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Amen. Amen. Basically, people fall into three categories. There's the unbeliever, like it was saying uh, at the beginning of the verse here. That's the uh, natural man. Uh, That's someone that, like I said, doesn't welcome what comes from God's Spirit. Doesn't care about things of the Spirit doesn't care about what God thinks, doesn't care that God is even there. Amen. That's one. Uh, There's the spiritual man. He understands things of the Spirit. It says here he can evaluate everything. And when that word evaluate, I looked into it, it says evaluate accurately, discern accurately everything. Who wants to be there? Amen. I mean, that's everything includes uh, from where to, you know, what house to buy to what's wrong with your washing machine. <laughs> you can discern everything accurately. Amen? And then there's the carnal man. That's a believer, an immature believer, truly, that even though they're born again, they focus on natural things. Spiritual things aren't important. They're born again, but they just don't value that the way a spiritual man should. Amen? So we want to appraise things accurately. And to do that, we have to be a spiritual person. And I loved what uh, 
pastor in healing school in one of his messages that he was talking about how you have, you have your eyes that you see with, your ears you hear with, nose you smell with, and that someone that's blind, that's been blind all their life, they don't necessarily know what vision is. They don't know what colors are because it's only something that you can see with your eyes. Can't hear it, can't smell it. And uh, he was saying that our faith is our sense, or basically our ability to perceive spiritual things, to perceive things that are out there. So we have to be building our faith. The more our faith is built, the more sensitive we are, the more we can perceive things of the Spirit that are out there, again, from simple things to big things. Amen. And that takes being close to God. That takes being in His Word. That takes uh, prayer. That takes praying in tongues especially. Just being close to Him so that He can talk to you when He needs to talk to you. Because I guarantee He's talking to you now. But a lot of us got so much going on. I mean, and these phones, tablets, I mean, it's, we live in a unique time when it comes to trying to stay focused on something. Amen. And uh, it's, a, it's a struggle, I know, for a lot of people. And, uh, but we just need to get these distractions out of our head. Amen. If you need to take your phone, put it in the car out in the driveway, anything you have that's going to buzz or beep or whatever, leave it here at the church. What, I'll, I'll hold on to it for you during the week. You know, it'll be safe here if you need to just take a whole week off. We'll just lock it up somewhere here for you. Amen. But uh, we, just, we just need to live focused. Amen. Amen. And the mind is where the enemy, I mean, that's, that's his preferred playground. That's where he wants to be, is in your mind. That's where he wants you to be, I should say, is in your mind, trying to outthink him. He's been thinking for, I mean, he's been thinking for as long as he's been around millennia. He's smarter than us. He's not smarter than God, but he's smarter than us. So when we try to go toe-to-toe with him in our mental battle, try to fight him, you're going to lose every time. But if you got God, the one that goes against what the enemy's saying to you, but he says, just do this, trust me. Just trust me. Just do that. And then you end up victorious. Amen. Amen. So I just said that to really just encourage you today uh, that we just need to get our mind lined up with God's mind. With his word. And there's really only so much you can say. Uh, it takes doing. I can only say so much. If you go out and forget this message in 20 minutes, there's nothing I can do. Nothing God can do. If you willfully go away and forsake that, don't care, and just go about your business like you were. It's not going to do. I mean, like I said, God can't do anything about it. I can't do anything about it. So, just... You know, take some homework home today. Write something down, a change you want to make. Where you take, uh, you know, you, you read a certain amount of day. You read the Word a certain amount of day. You decide you're going to read a book. Uh, you know, something by Pastor Nancy. We have all kinds of stuff out in the, in the bookstore there. Tell yourself, I'm going to read this in a week. And it doesn't matter what it, I'm going to get it done in a week. Or I'm going to read a chapter a day. Or I'm going to pray in the Spirit for 30 minutes. Or five minutes. Or 10 minutes, whatever. Whatever works for you. Or I'm going to put my phone down for an hour. Just simple stuff like that. 
And, you know, don't feel so, we're all at different places, don't feel overwhelmed with where you're at. Because I, I look at it like nutrition when you think about people eating healthy. People get so deep into it. And really the deeper you get into it, the more complicated it gets and the more there is to think about. So like you can start off saying, okay, I'm not going to eat bread. Uh, I'm going to get rid of grains. I'm just going to eat uh, fruits and vegetables and uh, meats and just healthy things like that. But then you start getting down into, oh, okay, my, I got too much salt in my diet. Okay, I got to lower my salt. Okay, I need this much of this vitamin. Okay, I need this much of this mineral. I need this much of that. That means I need to eat four pounds of broccoli, and that means I need to do this. And it just gets more and more and more and more complicated. So just start with something simple. Start with 30 minutes a day. Start with putting your phone down. You know, something simple like that. Amen. Amen. And if you just take a simple step like that every day, every week, you'll get to a point where you start realizing, huh, it's this thought that I used to have a problem with in the past. It's not a problem for me anymore. And focus on, on specific things. If you have a problem in a certain area about worry, about some kind of uh, habitual sin, something like that, find what the Word says about it, and just laser focus on that and get that handled, get it better. And then when you feel like you're at a good place there, move on to something else. Amen? You don't have to be a master of all, all things spiritual immediately. God knows where we're at, and He wants us to at least be moving forward. Because if you're not doing anything, you're moving backwards by default. You're going backwards. You're sliding. It's like a slope, and you're just sliding down the icy slope when you could be making some progress. Amen. Amen. So again, I just wanted to encourage you today um, to just make some progress. Amen. Amen. And to get your mind lined up with what God thinks uh, about everything, about as much as you can. Amen. 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 All right. Well, if you want to go ahead and stand with me.